0: Welcome to Theological Grazing. Okay, so I have to apologize really quick because you're about to hear my recording that I meant to be for today but it is not great. Um, I will just warn you that I think the content is interesting and good, and that's why I'm still gonna release it, but somehow I think that I accidentally connected to my Bluetooth headphones in my car, and so it's very muffled. I think it's still usable. If you hear this and you don't like it, um, you can just skip it. I will warn you that there's three or four episodes that will be like this. They might not all be at once, Uh, but sorry. I wish it was different. I don't know if I am going to be able to go back and re-record the same ideas, so I thought I would still put them out, but if it's just too awful, feel free to skip, and everything will be back to normal hopefully soon. I took down a note
1: at one point, and I think that it probably was while uh, there was a the big blow-up over, I think his name was John Butler, who wrote some book about um, sex, and uh, it was just kind of, it was just weird, and he got uh, he got the book pulled, and or maybe not, maybe the book didn't get pulled, but he he lost his job, I think, as a pastor. There was just a big blow-up online, um, and it started with an article uh, from TGC, uh, and then they just totally backed away from him, did not did not uh, in any way stand up for him. Uh, but he said some weird stuff, trying to allegorize um, actual uh, you know things that happen anatomically during sex to uh, elements of the spiritual life, uh, which is something that happens uh, throughout the Christian tradition. There have been those who have tried to do this. But during that whole uh, I don't know what you want to call it, kerfuffle, I just took down the note that it seems to me that when scripture speaks of sexual intimacy within the bonds of marriage um, or when it speaks of it as a spiritual analogy uh, to the the marriage of God and his people, Christ and his church, think of Ephesians 5, think of in uh, Ezekiel uh, think of of other places where this happens, Hosea. The language that's used of the righteous, you know, intimacy between people, or as it's analogized to um, the spiritual life, is always done with very veiled language. Right. It's very um, the language have a covering over it, where it is not something that is spoken of very directly at all, and it seems like maybe to uh, even speak of it directly would just be wrong. It would be uh, to grasp, uh because it wouldn't actually capture what's going on. The, the bare um, physical mechanism of sexual intimacy is not the sum total of, of that intimacy, of that love. This is one of the you know, kind of wicked materialist uh, things that's done when it comes to something like pornography, right? As if you could capture uh, sexual intimacy in any way uh, on video uh, or in pictures, you can't do that. Um, It is just the the bare, gross uh, anatomical spectacle. It is not uh, the, the full orb a beauty of what sexual intimacy is made to be, uh, or what God has made it to be uh, for a man and woman as they pursue that within the bond of marriage. And in fact, um, not only is sexual language history, of veil throughout here. think of—I mean, think of some of the the poetic language, the the different phrases that are used, even the fact that you know. Uh, in, you know, scripture will speak of, you know, the man going into his wife, you know, entering into the room with her, almost like the movie scene where, you know, a man enters a room with a woman and the door shut. right? And you know what's going on, but there's a veil to it, there's a cover to it. And that seems proper and right. But when scripture speaks of adultery or spiritual adultery, Particularly spiritual adultery. Uh, and sexual language is used in a way to express the the wickedness, evil of idolatry and um, spiritual adultery in, in various ways, of God being in some way uh, to run after other gods. Again, think of Ezekiel. Go read Ezekiel chapter 16. Uh, there's other places of in the language is very blunt, and you would almost say it is crass. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that you feel uncomfortable reading in the presence of women or children. It's the kind of thing that you feel uncomfortable reading even with breath. It's it's the kind of thing that you feel uncomfortable reading in the church service. Now it's God's word. Uh, that doesn't mean it shouldn't be read uh, broadly. It just means that the language is it is. It, I would almost say it is using vulgar language, not in a sinful way. Um, I don't know if there's a better way to put it. It's not, it's not so not in any way. It's sin, sinning in what it does. But it uses the blunt, crass, direct language uh, of physical anatomy at times to describe the, the, the grossness and the, the, the depth of wickedness of that can be seen uh, an important thing to notice. It's not to say that scripture doesn't doesn't speak uh, of that doesn't speak of you know uh, male and female anatomy uh, in in proper context, right? You think of in Proverbs where it speaks the man proper Proverbs 5 uh, that you know a man should should uh, you know the, the breast of the wife of the youth. There are elements of, of language that we would maybe, you know, think is a little it's a little forward for us today. But at the same time, even there, and even um, in that context, there's a lot of a covering of veil that's put. Um, things are covered up. They're, you are not uh, being asked to come and... Uh, she everything that's going on to take part in everything that's going on. It's more of a poetic, um, a poetic piece describing the intimate love that can be had between a man and a woman, especially in that proper context of marriage. And so, I think we should learn a bit from that and how we speak of the nature of sexuality. We should not speak in craft language. We should not be bolder in how we talk about it. Um, sometimes you have to be somewhat direct, but being direct doesn't mean you can't um, still keep a covering over that which is not made to be shared broadly. Um, that which is not—you know—sexual um, intimacy is is made to be enjoyed between one man and one woman in the bonds of, of covenant, covenantly faithful marriage, and to speak of it in a vulgar or crass way when it's in that context would be wrong. But when it's used in a vulgar and crass way, when it's used as as purely uh, a way to seek pleasure, to use others, uh, when it becomes a purely uh, uh, pleasure-seeking endeavor uh, where you, you use others for your sexual satisfaction, or when it's used to describe the nature of spiritual adults. in that context, it may be more proper at times, not always, but at times, you use much more blunt, direct, uh, and uh, even what might seem like, like growth language, uh, because what you're describing, what you're talking about, is gross. It is, in fact, gross. It is, in fact, older. Um, it is in fact cracked. It, it is the twisting and distorting of the leadership that God has given uh, for the marriage vow I hope some of this makes sense. I, I find this really intriguing. Um, I want to do some more work in it at some point with looking at this in the different ways that Scripture uses language, but, but I really think that this is true, that uh, across the board, uh, Scripture uses language differently to describe the different situation uh, that is talked
0: about well that's all folks if you can help me out rate and review this podcast share it with a friend go ahead and email me if you have any questions we're out